0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back again to Media Literate. My name is Colton Elsey, and this is our mini-series, Media Literate Snack Episodes. In these short segments, we invite on a guest, and we ask them to teach us everything important or noteworthy that they think we or our audience needs to know about any subject related to media or games or TV or film or books. Today, I'm joined by Z-Way.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Ziwei Chen, and I'm a second year MA in Cinema Media Studies at USC. Um, so my re- own research focuses on Chinese film and media and film and media theory. And today I'm here joining with Colton Elzey to talk about post-socialism.
0: OK, awesome, post-socialism. Um, OK, so uh, Ziwei, I'm going to give you four minutes. So you can just have the mic. You can say everything you think that we need to know. Go over all the points like you'd like for um, on your topic. But a fun way that we like to mix it up for anyone who's new is I have a random word generator. So I pick three, it gives me three words and you have to include those in your definition. So let me do that do real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love seeing what it gives. Okay, this'll be fun. Um, okay, so restaurant, railroad, and hypothesis. It's not bad um okay so uh i'll give you a few minutes i'll pause the recording so you can like incorporate those in and then we'll start and uh we'll give the mic to you for four minutes so we'll be back in just a minute
1: a few moments later
0: okay everyone welcome back uh Z-way has had a few minutes to look over his notes and he's adding the words so Ziwe, i'm going to start a timer and i will give you four minutes to tell us everything that the world needs to know about post-socialism <laughs> no pressure Okay, ready? Three, two,
1: one. Go. So uh, post-socialism as the prefix post suggests referred to the uncertain status of socialist countries mainly the Eastern Europe after the collapse of the Soviet Union and the fall of the Berlin Wall. Um, in a political economic framework, post-socialism often embodies the central paradox between the legacies of socialist practices of planned economy and state controlled production and the inevitable liberalization of the market in the face of global capitalism. Um, in the Chinese context specifically, so post-socialism might demand a more nuanced argument precisely because of the fact that in contradiction to the Europe, Eastern European countries, the socialist regime does not collapse but even thrives well into the present times. In an influential essay by Eric Derlich who brings the concept of post-socialism into China, he argues that post-socialism is of necessity also post-capitalist, not in the classical Marxist sense of socialism as a phase in historical development that is not that is anterior to capitalism. But in the sense that a socialism represents a response to the experience of capitalism and an attempt to overcome the, the deficiencies of capitalist development. The hypothesis slash proposal of socialism with Chinese characteristics by the then Chinese leader Deng Xiaoping in 1982 hence initiates the transition from trans-socialism to capitalism, capitalist market liberalization. Even in China today, socialism with Chinese characteristics remains one of the foundational concepts and guiding principles, however elusive it might be in thinking about Chinese political economy. But for us aspiring film and media scholars, post-socialism in the realm of arts and humanities points to another paradox between an increasingly differentiated and diversified cultural field, of field and a statewide demand for stability that requires constant interventions and rigid policing and poses important problems for transformation after socialism. For instance, Jia Zhangke's early films such as Xiao Wu uh, frequently explores such an explosion of popular culture and commodities and its implications in people's everyday life, from popular music, movies, novels, to restaurants, new hairstyles, imported cigarettes, et cetera. My own research on public urban screens in Shanghai similarly explores this contradiction between uh, state-controlled screens and increasingly commercialized and even exorbitantly priced screens by corporates in large metro stations, railroads, and building facades. Uh, to conclude, post-socialism remains a bit of an elusive concept that, nevertheless, offers us a critical tool to explore the state of arts and culture in the contemporary times.
0: Okay, awesome. Zwei. thank you so much. That was great. Uh, you actually had like a whole minute left. So we used to do this for three minutes, so it's funny because you would have fit it in the three-minute mark. But okay, I'm going to set the timer for a minute. I just want to ask you a follow-up question so we can dive in a little bit more um, based on kind of your original discussion. So. Um, what I want to ask is, uh, socialism as a concept is one thing in like theory and idea, right? Like it's this idea that would be great if we could all do it. Right. Mm -hmm. But then in practice and an actual, when, when it, when it's put into place, it doesn't always work out that way. Absolutely. So I was wondering if you wanted to talk about, um, the difference between the ideal and the reality of post-socialism or socialism in general. Mm -hmm. And if you want to relate that to media. Well, your interest specifically, you can, but I think that's, that's always the thing that comes to mind for me. Yeah. Like, okay, that's great, but how does it, how does it actually yeah. come to play? So yeah. uh, I'll start a timer. I'll let you talk about that for just a minute.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, such a great question to think about because um, there are like a tons of theoretical debates, especially in the Chinese context when you think about um, because Deng Xiaoping uh, proposes this, this concept in 1982, which is like prior to the fall of the Berlin Wall, right? So mm-hmm. I think there's already a tons of debates about like what is the best thing to progress from now um, for the Chinese future, right? So um, mm-hmm. like there's often discussion of um like discussion of socialism and then like capitalism and then communism. So like in order to achieve this final cap of communist futurity, then you have to have a certain like solid um, capitalist, like, and market economic um, foundation, right? So I think that's oh. why are, like some ideal and certain theoretical, theoretical necessity you could call it, um, to 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 open up the market to to gain the economy so as to you know um progress toward this uh, communist future. So that's why I think I'm thinking about the I. And um, the idea and the idea of uh, versus reality of post-socialism in the Chinese context is really interesting because it opens up so many um, paradoxes like between this kind of utopian impulse of right like gesturing toward a communism, which is, you know, probably never going to be fulfilled versus the reality of like tons of um, economic debates like. Economic yeah, conflicts, you know, Um, so that's that's why it makes it so interesting.
0: Cool. And that's time. Uh, I just want to clarify. So you're talking about uh, achieving a communist ideal requires, in some contexts, a market to be open at some point for mm-hmm. progress.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think, like, in the classical Marxist sense, yeah, um, in order to achieve this final stage of communism, there certainly requires a certain um, economic foundation, and that's like written in the Communist Manifesto. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like. Um, but for China in the specific context, especially in the Mao period, there wasn't necessarily a lot of economic foundation being built. Especially after the Sino-Soviet split in 1960, like basically uh, Mao is doing like a very progressive and very radical approach toward um, socialist revolution. That is, you know, based on like cultural revolution, like some like you know famine stuff, right? So there is like not a lot of economic foundation built on that. Um, so that's why you know some people call it a complete failure. But you know you write with that a little bit more but yeah that's why um in 1980s and 90s that that's like the call of like post-socialism like we need to like do the market liberalization in order to build economic foundation and that's like when you have more you know the, the theory and such ideal versus the interesting having to open up
0: oh, yeah so it's, it's this conflict that produces this is the best way to actually do it and it requires a little bit of both that's interesting i hadn't thought about it necessarily like that but yeah Okay. Uh, Well, thanks so much for chiming in and for giving us a little bit more detail than we normally do. Um, And thanks everybody for listening. We hope to have you on next week on Media Literate. Thank you. Bye.